You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of Naturopathic Earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health News and Naturopathy Earth Radio. I hope you're doing well today. Before we talk about some signs that you might have a high IQ, of course, the website is www.naturopathicearth.com. Go check out the many articles, food recipes, and essential oil recipes that we have there. I've recently written an article on integrative medicine, which is the merger of the best of both worlds. In integrative medicine, we are using naturopathic principles like botanical science, herbs, clinical nutrition, acupuncture, uh, to prevent and to treat mild maladies, moderate maladies too. And we, we like to exhaust all those in integrative medicine. And then if those don't work, then we go to the traditional standard American medical practice of surgery and drugs. So there is an article about that, kind of fleshing that out, the differences between integrative and naturopathic and the standard allopathic care. So go check out that article. As always, we do have a Patreon account. I would appreciate it if you follow the episode notes, the links there, and donate a dollar, five dollars. That'd be really great and really help us out a lot. Also, I am an ebook published author on Amazon Kindle and Barnes and Noble Nook. You can buy my Confessions of an Obese Child for $2.99. That also helps support defray the cost of the enterprise. And I am a certified paleo inspired holistic health coach. If you're in the need to clean up your diet, clean up your life, contact me. I might help you out with that. I just want to say before we start out talking about IQ, I did get some interesting feedback in the last episode about reasons to avoid a long-term relationship or benefits of being single. It was amazing. Uh, a lot of a lot of support for that through Facebook. And even people who are married were honest and say, yeah, I wish I didn't get married now. I am miserable in this marriage and I only stay in it for religion. And a lot of the points you made were very salient. Look, the grass is always green on the other side. If those who are single will look at you married people and wish they were married. And then married people wish they were single. So I guess it goes both ways. I guess maybe the, the, the ideal maybe is to be married for a little while. And then if you have an amicable divorce and then enjoy your singleness when you're older. I don't know what the answer is, but I thought some of those points were salient. And overall, the feedback was good. I did get some negative feedback saying that you're a sexist pig, which is fine. I don't mind negative feedback at all. All right, let's get going. So we know IQ is not a perfect indication of somebody's intelligence. In the last five, 10 years, we've had different, they say there's now seven different types of intelligence. There's like emotional intelligence and all these other ones. But as a whole, we're just going to talk about IQ and certain signs that might suggest that you have a high IQ. You can get IQ tests done. You can go to a psychologist. I think ideally, if you are young, go to, go to a university 
in your city and go to the psychology department and normally you will see flyers for people, for grad students who are wanting to do IQ tests. So look around or just go to the psychology department and ask and say, hey, are there any students doing IQ tests who need practice on learning how to do IQ tests? All right, so we're going to be gleaning from an article here. Stupid people tend to overestimate their competence while smart people tend to sell themselves short. As Shakespeare put it in As You Like It, the fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. The conventional wisdom is backed up by a Cornell University study conducted by David Dunning and Justin Kruger. The phenomenon is now known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, is there anything better than having something named after you, really? So if you're not sure about your intellect, it might actually be an indication that you're pretty intelligent, thoughtful enough to realize your limitations, at least. But here are some subtle signs that you are considerably smarter than you think. All right, let's get going. Number one, you took music lessons. A 2011 study found that scores on a test of verbal intelligence among four to six-year-olds rose after only one month of music lessons. Also, a 24 study led by Glenn Schellenberg found that six-year-olds who took nine months of keyboard or voice lessons had an IQ boost compared with kids who took drama lessons or no classes at all. Listen up, parents. Choose the right extracurriculars. Meanwhile, a 2013 study, also led by Schellenberg, suggested that high-achieving kids were the ones most likely to take music lessons in the first place. In other words, in the real world, musical training may only enhance cognitive differences that already exist. All right, a second indication that you might have higher IQ is you're the oldest. Oldest siblings are usually smarter, but it's not because of genetics, one study found. Norwegian epidemiologists use military records to examine the birth order, health status, and IQ scores of nearly 250,000 18-year-olds born between 1967 and 76. Results show that the average firstborn had an IQ of 103 compared to 100 for second children and 99 for third children. Now, I should mention, if you look at the IQs of countries, the highest countries, the countries with the highest IQ are a little over 100. That's going to be China and then some of the European countries. So we know that really high IQ is about 140, like Mensa. No country has that high. No, no country has it close to that high. Highest is like 102. The New York Times reports, quote, the new findings from a landmark study published in June 27 showed that eldest children had a slight but significant edge in IQ an average of three points over the closest sibling. And it found that the difference was not because of biological factors, but the psychological interplay of parents and children. Or we're going to go through these and see see how many I qualify for. I did not take music lessons when I was a child, and I am the youngest. So right now, I'm 0 for 2. Third indication you might have a high IQ, you're thin. For a 2006 study, scientists gave roughly 2,000 adults intelligent tests over a five-year period, and results suggested that the bigger the waistline, the lower the cognitive ability. Another study published that same year found that 11-year-olds who scored lower on verbal and nonverbal tests were more likely to be obese in their 40s. The study authors say that smarter kids might have pursued better educational opportunities, landed higher status and high-paying jobs, like heightism, 
that episode we did on height, and therefore ended up in a better position to take care of their health than their less intelligent peers. Meanwhile, a more recent study found that among preschoolers, a lower IQ was linked to a higher BMI. Those researchers also say environmental factors are at play since the relationship between BMI and SMART was was mediated by socioeconomic status. So a lot of this could be correlation versus causation here. So they're saying that typically the more overweight you are, the higher chance your IQ might be lower. So, I mean, is that connected to your educational ability? Probably not because they did rule that out. But they did make a good point. Smarter kids probably are going to be more focused on school, maybe, whereas overweight kids are more focused on TV watching and self-loathing like I was as a kid. I'm not sure. But if we talk about thin in adulthood, I I do, ding, ding, qualify for this. So I'm one for three. All right. The fourth one is you might have a cat. 2014 study of 600 college students found that individuals who identified as dog people were more outgoing than those who identified as cat people, according to a test that measures personality and intelligence. But guess what? Those same cat people scored higher on the part of the test that measures cognitive ability. All right, this is a put. This is a, a yeah, kind of in the middle because I did have cats when I was in college, but I haven't had a cat in 20 years those cat people. So I guess cat ladies have a super high IQ, right? All right. The fifth one is going to be your breastfed. Now we did talk about this on the episode, probably around episode 90, 11 reasons why you should breastfed, breastfeed your children. A 2007 research suggested that babies who are breastfed might grow up to be smarter kids. In two studies, the researchers looked at more than 3,000 children in Britain and New Zealand. Those children who had been breastfed scored nearly seven points higher on an IQ test. Seven points, but only if they had a particular version of the FADS2 gene. That version of the gene was present in roughly equal numbers among kids who were and were breastfed. But figuring out the exact mechanism of this relationship between FADS2 breastfeeding and IQ will require further study, the scientists noted in their paper on the findings. Now, on a side note, we know that if you breastfeed your children, they're going to have a less rate of infections, they're going to have a healthier microbiome in their gut and in their skin, and they are going to be smarter. So if you want more information on that, go to that episode we did on breastfeeding. I was not breastfed, so wah, wah. Right, the sixth indication that you might have a higher IQ. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Students, don't be listening to this. You've used recreational drugs. A 2012 study of more than 6,000 British born in 1958 found a link between high IQ in childhood and the use of illegal drugs in adulthood. Quote, in our large population-based cohort study, IQ at 11 years was associated with a greater likelihood of using selected illegal drugs 31 years later wrote researchers James White, Catherine Gale, and David Batty. They conclude, quote, In contrast to most studies on the association between childhood IQ and later health, their findings suggest, 
quote, a high childhood IQ may prompt the adoption of behaviors that are potentially harmful to health. In other words, excessive alcohol and drug consumption in adulthood. I would say this, and I think they do mention uh, neuroses, being a little more neurotic or overly analytical. High IQ people tend to be overly analytical, and I think maybe to dull that constant movement in your brain that you might turn to alcohol and marijuana and other things, other depressants like that. All right, another indication that you might have a high IQ, you're left-handed. Oh, Flanders from The Simpsons is going to be happy here. Left-handedness used to be associated with criminality. That's where we actually get the Latin term sinistre, sinister. Sinister means left in Latin. So if you were left-handed, we thought you were sinister because you could stab somebody when you would shake hands. Shake hands was a way to show that you didn't have a weapon in your dominant hand, which typically was your right hand. But if you were left-handed, you could shake with your right and stab with your left. And researchers associate left-handedness with divergent thinking, a form of creativity that allows you to come up with novel ideas from a prompt at least among men. In her review of a 1995 paper, New Yorker reporter Maria Konakova wrote, The more marked the left-handed preference in a group of males, the better they were at tests of divergent thought. Left-handers were more adept, for instance, at combining two common objects in a novel way to form a third. For ex- to form a third, for example, using a pole and a tin can to make a birdhouse. They also excelled at grouping lists of words into many alternate categories as possible. I do know that left-handed people are actually more likely to get in car accidents uh, because they're when they're driving in a in a street where there is. N- one lane going one way and one lane going the other. If someone's coming towards you in oncoming traffic, if you're right-handed, you're going to veer to your right, which is into the shoulder. But if you're left-handed, you veer into the left, which is into oncoming traffic. So I am not left-handed. So I'm not doing well on this so far. All right, another indication that you might be of a high IQ is you're tall. 2008 Princeton study of thousands of people found that taller individuals scored higher on IQ tests as kids and earned many more much money as adults. Many more much money. The researchers write, quote, as early as age three, before schooling has any chance to play a role, and throughout childhood, taller children perform significantly better on cognitive tests. Ding, ding, ding. Now, I was tall as a kid, mostly because I was fat, so I was growing up and growing out wide. If you look at my first communion picture when we were eight, I was infinitely taller and wider than the other kids. And I'm still you know, pretty tall. I'm six, one and a half. So I'll count that as a ding, 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 ding. Right, another indication that you might have an IQ is you drink alcohol regularly. Evolutionary psychologist Satoshi Kanakaza and colleagues found that among Brits, as well as Americans, adults who had scored higher on IQ tests when they were kids or teens drank more alcohol, more often in adulthood than those who had scored lower. Again, maybe this goes because you are you have a high IQ, you can't turn off the brain, therefore you drink more, I, I don't know, or you tend to be you know more popular around people, so you have more of an occasion to go out and drink. I don't know, but I do not drink regularly. I drink maybe a glass or two of wine once a month at the most.
All right, another indicator that you might have a high IQ, you learn to read early. In 2012, researchers looked at nearly 2,000 pairs of identical twins in the UK and found that the sibling who had learned to read earlier tended to score higher on tests of cognitive ability. The study authors suggest that reading from an early age increases both verbal and nonverbal reasoning ability, as opposed to the other way around. Now, there's no way I know if I read earlier, and I guess I can ask my mom, but I, I, I think I was probably a little behind. Uh-oh. Another indicator that you have a high IQ, you worry a lot. A growing body of research suggests that anxious individuals may be smarter than others in certain ways, according to Slate's coverage of several studies on anxiety. In one study, for example, researchers asked 126 undergrads to fill out questionnaires in which they indicated how often they experienced worry. They also indicated how often they engaged in rumination or thinking continuously about the aspects of situations that upset them as psychologist Edward Selby reported in Psychology Today, which is the the veritable journal of psychology today. That's like pop junk psychology. Results showed that people who tended to worry and ruminate a lot scored higher on measures of verbal intelligence, while people who didn't do much worrying or ruminating scored higher on tests of nonverbal intelligence. So on this one, it's definitely a ding-ding for me. I I have a a way overactive mind. I ruminate and ruminate and self Self-introspect, retrospect, it's just, yeah, it's just all the time, all the time. Another indicator that you might have a high IQ is you're funny, ha ha. You ever heard of laugh therapy? You know, people who do that, they get with other people and they just laugh a lot. It releases those, those endorphins. 400 psychology students took intelligent tests that measured abstract reasoning abilities and verbal intelligence in one study. Then they were asked to come up with captions for several New Yorker cartoons, and those captions were reviewed by independent raters. As predicted, smarter students were rated as funnier. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a really good correlation. Am I funny? Not really. No, I, I could not tell you a joke off the top of my head. Now, do I say things that are witty or funny or just that are just funny? Yes, I, yeah, probably, but I couldn't tell you a joke if my life depended on him. So that's, that's a push him right there. I don't, I'll say that's a push him. All right, another indicator that you might have a high IQ is you're curious. Well, this makes sense. University of London business psychology professor Thomas Chamora Pramuzic's post for Harvard Business Review, he discussed how the curiosity quotient and having a hungry mind makes one more inquisitive. Regarding the importance of CQ, curiosity quotient, he wrote that, quote, it's been nearly as deeply studied as emotional quotient and intelligence quotient, which is IQ, but there's some evidence to suggest it is just as important when it comes to managing complexity in two major ways. First, individuals with higher curiosity quotient are generally more tolerant of ambiguity. This nuanced, sophisticated, subtle thinking style defines the very essence of complexity. Oh, that's my bird. There's Santi. He's twerping. There he is. Second, curiosity quotient leads to higher levels of intellectual investment and knowledge acquisition over time, especially in formal domains of education, such as science and art. 
A Goldsmiths University of London study found that intellectual investment, or quote, how people invest their time and effort in their intellect, play a major part in cognitive growth. All right, I would definitely say I am curious. That's one of the reasons why I did this podcast. That's one of the reasons I listen to podcasts and I like to read. I like to learn for learning's sake. And I think this is something that the millennials have really lost out on because of smart technology. You know, in the old days, you would look up stuff in your encyclopedia or your, your atlas just to see where things were or what they were. Now with kids, they don't need to know where Papua New Guinea is because they can. They just say, look, I can look it up on my phone. Or I don't need to know where Abraham Lincoln was born because why is I'm bored? I can just look it up on my phone. So I would definitely say I'm curious and I lament the fact that probably most millennials are not, though they do have other strengths. All right, the next one that might indicate that you have a pretty high IQ is that you're messy. You're messy. All right, another indication that you might be of the high IQ is that you're messy. You're messy. A study published in Psychological Science by the University of Minnesota Carlson School of Management's Kathleen Vos revealed that working in an untidy room actually fuels creativity. In the study, 48 participants, which wasn't a lot, were asked to come up with unusual uses for a ping pong ball. The 24 individuals working in neat rooms came up with substantially fewer creative responses than the individuals working in cluttered rooms. So if you're a pack rat, the next time someone tells you to clean up your act, reply that you're just fueling your sense of creativity and innovation. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, this study's a joke. I mean, it's just one study with 48 participants. And secondly, I want to think it's a joke because I am not a messy person. I, I cannot relate or understand the pack rat hoarder mentality type people because I am the exact opposite. I like to be tidy, very, very tidy, and I cannot work in a messy place. But if we're going along with this and all the other criteria, then yes, I would fail this one too because I like to have a clean house, clean car, and a relatively clean uh, classroom. Another indicator that you might be of high IQ, you didn't have sex until after high school. I like this one. High schoolers with higher IQs are more likely to be virgins than those with average or lower IQ, according to a study from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The core sample looked at 12,000 teens from the 7th to the 12th grade. See, that's a study right there, 12,000 teens. Not only were the teens with the higher IQs more likely to be virgins, they were also less likely to kiss or hold hands with a romantic partner. Even hold hands? <sighs> a number of explanations have been put forward by the science blog Gene Expression to explain this gap, including suggestions that smart people possess lower sex drives, are risk-averse, or simply less able to find sexual partners. Okay, we're going to cover the sexual partners later on, uh, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if you know high IQ people, and I, and I guess, you know, you, you think of like Steve Jobs or somebody like that, or you think of the, the whiz guy, uh, 
played by Mark Rylance in Ready Player One. I guess you think of those types of people high IQ, right? But we don't necessarily know if they were high IQ, but you assume they they are. And they, they seem to be social misfits and, and not comfortable with sexuality and so forth. Uh, but I think it has more to do with, you know, less the fact that you're tall and you're curious and just more that you're, you're I think you're preoccupied with figuring out the greater metaphysical issues of the day, you know, trying to create a, a virtual, you know, reality like in Ready Player One or something like that. And maybe you just don't care about girls. Maybe you're more focused on books throughout your youth and and, and less on guys, kind of like what they say about very beautiful girls uh, in middle school and high school, how they have less uh, high grades because they become essentially sexualized at a very young age and they realize that the, you know they're, they're seeking the attention of boys. And since they have the attention of boys at a young age, they don't really focus on the books. I don't know what it is. But I can say that I fit this one. I've mentioned in Confessions of an Obese Child that I did not lose my virginity until I was in college, you know, middle college years. And I don't regret that. And I know... If any of my students are listening, which I know most don't, or if any of my students don't listen to this podcast, which is good, um, it's great to wait, you know. And I and I've mentioned before that I have to cover sex ed uh, where I teach, and you know we we cover abstinence and abstinence only. We preach abstinence. So again, no good comes from having sex at a very young age on every level, psychological, emotional, every level, economic. So yeah, definitely wait. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe not to the point of Steve Carell's character on 40-Year-Old Virgin, but wait as long as you can. Another indication that you may be of high IQ is that you're a night owl. One study published in the official journal of the International Society for the Study of Individual Differences. <laughs> I mentioned it in a past podcast on Holistic Health News how many funny organizations and journals there are. It's amazing. For the study of individual differences, found that when all other variables are factored out, night owls tend to beat out early birds in terms of intellect. It concluded that ethnographic evidence indicates that, quote, nocturnal activities, close quote, were rare in the ancestral environment. That means that more intelligent individuals are more likely to stay up late because smarter people are more likely to espouse evolutionarily, quote, novel values, close quote. Um, I don't know if I agree with this one. I'm, I definitely, I can think of like Ben Franklin, Newton. I can think of certain people that always espouse, not to go back to the cliche, what, early morning, early rise makes the man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Early to bed, early to rise. Uh, that's Franklin. And um, I definitely know there's like super creative geniuses that are just so wired on brilliance and, you know, figuring out things. They stay up late and they have super irregular sleeping habits or don't sleep much at all. And then you go, you know, about the geniuses who sleep very well and they go to bed early. Those are the more, maybe more pragmatic, functional geniuses who realize that sleep's important and they wake up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to start their work. So I could really see this going both ways. Um, I would opt for the early bird because we know in those those many episodes we did on sleep how important sleep is. If you if you're a chronic insomniac, you have a high rate of obesity, getting cancer, high rate of infections, high rate of heart disease, high rate of stroke, high rate of just early death and shorter life expectancy. So if you're if you are a high IQ person, try to be an early bird. Here on this one, I am more of an early bird. I don't like really staying up late. <laughs> 
because I'm wired to wake up very early, even if I stay up late. I could literally go to bed at 2 a.m. partying, let's say, even though I don't party, and I am wired to where I would wake up no later than 7. All right, another indicator that you might be of high IQ, you don't always have to try hard. That isn't to say that laziness is a sign of being smart, but it is fair to say that smart people simply don't always have to try as hard as strivers who fight to build up their skills, at least in certain fields. In an opinion piece for the New York Times, psychologist David Z. Hambrick and Elizabeth J. Mines cited a Vanderbilt study of the highly intelligent young people. The study tracked 2,000 people who scored in the top 1% of the SAT by the age of 13. Hambrick and Mines wrote, quote, The remarkable finding of their study is that, compared with the participants who were only in the 99.1 percentile for intellectual ability at age 12, those who were in the 99.9 percentile, the profoundly gifted, were between three and five times more likely to go on to earn a doctorate, secure a patent, publish an article in a scientific journal, or publish a literary work. A high level of intellectual ability gives you an enormous real-world advantage, close quote. They concluded that while striving to be smarter is commendable, but there are certain innate abilities that can't always be learned, that can't always be learned. I would, I would definitely see this. I mean, I see this in my students. There are certain students I have that are just innately bright, and they don't have to try, and they still get high A's. These are people who don't study. They're not really paying attention in class. And uh, the, half of their brain is listening to what I'm saying. And other teachers who listen to this could relate to this, I'm sure. And just people at work, at businesses too. You know, They're not really functional. And then boom, they can just whip out this insane paper where they were in fact listening even though they were probably only using 10% of their faculties. Or they whip out a 98 on a test even though they weren't, weren't really paying attention. So we are all built with different innate abilities. You know, in a true free society, you cannot have equality because in a true free society, we're all going to be born with different looks in terms of beauty, ugliness, various, you know, running the, the gamut of attractiveness levels. And you're always going to see that with in, in intellectual abilities. There's always going to be people who are born brighter, born smarter, born in the middle, born not, not too smart, born dumb, and so forth. And so... People who are insanely bright or insanely good-looking, or we mentioned that, that episode we did on heightism, uh, these people are going to have unique advantages that come to them because of their intelligence, beauty, height, whatever. And that's, that's what we would call a meritocracy, right? It, it's ruling by the gifted. And really, in my humble opinion, that's what society should be run on. If you're gifted, if you work hard, if you're bright, then you deserve to reap the, the merits of that that hard work or that brilliance. And if you don't have that or you don't work hard, then you shouldn't really be receiving any long-term assistance from those who are hardworking through income redistribution, as we know as taxation. But either way, um, am I bright, innately bright? I was the type of student in college, and I think I've mentioned this in the uh, sex frequency episode, where I was... I was uh, not, I loved studying and reading books and encyclopedias and atlases. I was really into, into to the liberal arts. And so most nights at, in college, I would literally be at the library just reading 
yeah, reading my history books, whatever, whatever for class. And uh, I did well on tests. I would do well on tests. And, but I don't know how much of it is I was just naturally gifted or I just, I, I, I read and worked hard. I do know that I have a very good memory and that I, and I, I just remember things well. But I am really stupid on a lot of things, like assembling furniture, um, assembling my kids' training wheels on, on, on their bikes, just basic, like, just basic handyman stuff. I am dumb as nails, stupid. Uh, changing oil, you know, these things I am just so bad at. And I just, I, you know, you acknowledge your strengths and weaknesses, and that's just one of my weaknesses. So overall, in regards to, I think, I think I'm pretty bright, and I think I, I know for sure I have a very good memory, as evidenced by the fact that I know I knew every world capital by the time I was eight, and I knew every president. If you gave me a year, I could tell you who was president by the time I was ten, and that's why I did all the academic trivia, academic decathlon quiz bull stuff when I was in high school. All right, let's finish up. Okay, so let's just review really, really, really fast here. What were the 17? You took music lessons. You're the oldest. You're thin. You have a cat. Meow. You were breastfed. You use recreational drugs. You're left-handed. You're tall. You drink alcohol regularly. You learn to read early. You worry a lot. You're funny. You're curious. You're messy. You didn't have sex until after high school. You're a night owl. And you don't always have to try hard because you're innately bright. All right. Now, of course, this study is pretty anecdotal. And, and I mean, I, the fact that it is quoting studies is great, but some of these are, are kind of a joke. So how do you know when you have an IQ? Okay, in my personal opinion, some of these make sense. Like you took music lessons and people who pick up music really fast do tend to be bright. Um, but some of these, you're, you know, you're, you're the oldest, you're thin. Yeah. Uh, you know it. You know bright people when you meet them, right? That the way they speak, the words they use, you can tell their brain is lit and on fire. You can tell. And, and I think more more telling is when you meet people who are not bright, right? Because they're just, they look like they're just walking zombies and they're not articulate. And just, you just look in their eyes and you can just tell that the light's not really brightly lit in their brain, so to speak. And I think that's the bigger indicator. It's not necessarily academic output or work output. You can just tell. You know who's bright. And just like with people who are innately beautiful, everyone wants to be beautiful and bright and brilliant. But look, there are side effects to being bright and having a high IQ. And we might do an episode on this, but men in particular with high IQs, tend to have problems in relationships. They tend to have problems dating. They tend to have problems maintaining marriages. They tend to have problems attracting women. And I, I don't know what the studies show for women, uh, but I would say with men, it kind of makes sense because like really high IQ men, they're not all like really like Steve Jobs weird or, or the guy from Ready Player One, you know, these kind of nerdy outlandish goofballs. Um, some of them are just, 
they can't turn off their brain. So when they go out with a woman, they're always analyzing. They're always hyper questioning everything in their mind. They, they say the wrong things. They don't really have good boundaries. And so that kind of gets them into issues. And even though the woman might think that they're bright or the woman might think, oh, this is a good catch because they're just women are naturally hypergamous and they want to go for men with high status. They might think, well, this guy's kind of weird. You know, that's okay. Also, I would I would say that also a really high IQ men maybe might be really focused on work or focused on whatever their dream they, their dream activity is or their goal, and maybe they're not as good with the nuances, the subtle nuances of a relationship, maintaining a relationship compromise and building good communication and so forth. Also, high IQ people might be a little arrogant, especially if they know they're high IQ. And uh, maybe that gets in the way of having a good relationship. The last couple of things I want to mention about IQ is that men tend to rate higher on the IQ level. Now, this isn't sexist at all. So if you look at a scale of IQ, and I've read this in multiple studies, men tend to be the bigger outliers and women tend to be in the middle. So if you were to grab, let's say, 100 men, 100 women, just randomize men and women, there will be more, most of the people let's say out of the 200 200 men and women, uh, most of those in the top 10% of IQ out of those 200 are going to be men. And most of those are in the bottom 10% of the IQ of those 200 are going to be men too. Women tend to be in the middle. So women tend to be not, I wouldn't say average IQ, they just tend to fall in the middle. And I guess maybe we would use standard deviation, but men tend to be on the higher uh, level of IQ and the lower level of IQ. That's why when you think of uh, geniuses throughout history, yes, there's history, his story, and her story. Uh, and sometimes in, the, in those cases, the, the women, uh, their accomplishments were, were obfuscated or you know hindered or something. But in general, there are more male geniuses. And, and could some of that just be patriarchy and so forth from, from the earlier centuries? Uh, yes. But, but in general, we have definitive studies showing that men have higher IQs. Definitive. Uh, the other thing I want to mention about IQ is, I think I mentioned it in the previous episode, that IQ uh, is, is gauged by countries. Countries have IQs, and I would definitely recommend you go into that. Maybe I'll do a future episode on which countries have the highest IQ and how immigration is very important because you want to be emigrating. You want people emigrating to your country as immigrants, there's a difference between emigrate and immigrate, but you want you want your immigrants to be ideally of countries of high IQ, right? Because they're going to contribute more. Uh, but there are countries and they all have their each individual IQ and this is tracked. Lastly, my IQ, I know my ex-wife, who I mentioned is a psychologist, uh, she did my IQ way back in the late 90s when she was getting her master's. And... The IQ tests were fun. I, I remember doing now. I don't know if they've changed, but like one of the activities you have to do is they give you blocks and you have to build stuff with the blocks. They give you a sequence of numbers and you have to say the numbers backwards. Uh, I think those are the two tests I remember. Also, you can go online and there's online IQ tests, but I don't think these are that accurate where there's like little riddles you got to figure out and so forth. But my wife refused to tell me what my IQ was. 
And I don't know if it's because she didn't want to know that I had a very low IQ because then I would feel bad about myself or if I had an average to high IQ and she just didn't want me to know because she didn't want me to be like, oh, I have a high IQ. So I have no freaking idea. But I just think it's interesting with IQ and I know it's not necessarily holistically related, but I like to do episodes that are not always about nutrition and so forth. And I just found it interesting to talk about IQ and see if you fit any of these criteria. So if you do, hit me up on social media. I'm at Holistic News Now on Instagram or go to the Holistic Health News page on Facebook and let me know how you did on these 17. As always, guys, hit the subscribe button. It takes you two seconds and it would really help me on my analytics. And as always, post a review. Until next time, guys, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth. Buy the confessions of an obese child ebook on Amazon or Barnes and Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE. Let food be thy medicine. Let nature be thy healer. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.